Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Convincing Coffee Break with me, Mandy Brown and Richard Snape. Oh, it's been a long time since we've done one of these. <laughs> it has. And we're talking again about the Building Safety Act 2022 and the latest developments and specifically what has actually happened in the last few weeks since we did the last conference and uh, in mid-June 23. So, Richard, to start with, can you tell me about the Draft Building Safety Leaseholder Protections England Amendment Regulations 2023, please? Yeah, they were published. It's only a draft order. I'll say something about that in a minute. They were published on June the 13th, which I think might have been the day we did the last Zoom conference on the Building Safety Act Revisited. They only apply to England and they are not law yet. It is just a draft uh, set of regulations. But these things usually, I hope there's one change in them because there's a glaring mistake in them, but uh, they are uh, usually become law but not for a while yet they have to be laid in front of parliament the regulations actually say that they'll come into force the day after they receive you know, sort of uh, parliamentary confirmation so we'll have to see i would imagine sometime late summer some of it is sensible and some of it is just digging a bigger hole than there was there before and they basically amend the leaseholder protection england regs and the leaseholder protection information England regs that came into force in July of uh, 2022. Now, there's things that the first set of regulations introduced um, the landlord certificates and the second set introduced the leaseholders deeds of certificate. They do a few other things besides, but that's the sort of perhaps the, the crux of it. Shall I tell you some of the provisions? I'll leave some of it to a, a later date. Yes, please do. Well, there's, uh, they deal with perhaps more for the litigators than the conveyances, but uh, they have uh, are going to change the people, the categories of people who can apply to the first-tier tribunal for a remediation contribution order. Earlier in the year, we did a, a podcast on a case called Batiche-inspired Sutton in Sutton in, in Greater London. You did. Thought, I've always thought of being inspired, which uh, was very much to... You know, question you know, on its own facts not really a good precedent for anything only a first tier tribunal but it's um section 124 of the the building safety act says that uh, any interested person can basically go and apply to a tribunal to um well require either corporate bodies or partnerships not individuals to pay a contribution towards uh defects you know building defects and the likes in the premises and that applies historically to defects going back to june of uh, 1992 for 30 years since it came into force and uh, the various interested people were in the past the secretary of state they could apply the building safety regulator this new body that's taken over you know health and uh, building safety matters part of the health and safety executive the Fire and Rescue Authority, the local authority, and anybody with a legal estate or equitable interest in that particular property or a part of it. So quite wide, but they're going to increase that. So um, a named manager, somebody who's responsible for repairs and maintenance, who's not a landlord or or freeholder, can, can apply to the tribunal or any residence management company or any right to manage company. So that's one thing they're doing. They'd also say in the draft regulations that uh, the homes and communities agency can make an application in relation to remediation contributions i wish somebody would tell them that the homes and communities agency has not been around since uh, january of 2018 uh, it was replaced by homes england 
But uh, it worries me that they've made a glaring mistake like that. I don't know who else, what else historically they're going to sort of start mentioning. So that's one thing. More significantly, perhaps, for the conveyances, there is a provision that uh, within a week of a landlord receiving a leaseholder's deed of certificate, they've got to provide a copy to any right-to-manage company, residence management company, or named uh, manager. And presumably, although this again is down to the final regulations, if that's not done, the landlords will lose the ability to charge for safety work via service charge. And also any RTM company, right to manage company or residence management company or name manager that receives a, a leaseholder's deed of certificate has got to pass it on to the current landlord. They are going to increase the number of situations where the landlord has to provide a landlord certificate because currently it's... If, you know, if they want to carry out uh, work and charge uh, in relation to defects and charge via service charge, they have to provide it, and they have to provide within four weeks of a request by the tenant and four weeks of becoming aware that there's going to be a sale of the property. And if they become aware of uh, you know extra work that's required, then they have to do so within four weeks. If they receive a newly sold a deed of certificate with new information in it, they'll have to provide a landlord certificate within four weeks. Otherwise, again, they'll lose the ability to charge. Defects. So I say they're trying to solve some of the problems by just basically, and they're in a hole and they're digging it much bigger. Um, perhaps better news is they're going to change the landlord certificates because currently, if the landlord's fully responsible for defects and can't add the cost of service charge, they still have to produce a landlord certificate and have to produce details of all the associate companies, details of all the accounts, the relevant accounts for the. February of 2022. And um, they have to be certified by a chartered accountant or finance director. And that can be a huge, huge task. I have come across big time landlords, you know, big investment bodies who've got 500 or so associate companies up and down the world. And, you know, it's a monstrous task to actually, you know, provide all that kind of information. If the landlord can't, uh, is subject to, a contribution condition if they had no associates on february the 14th 2022 had a net worth of more than two million pounds per effective building they can't charge anything via service charge so in the future sensibly they won't have to provide any details of associates and so on it was always ludicrous that they had to go through this process uh, or you know details of the accounts and so on likewise if the flat is worth less than 175,000 or 325,000 in greater london you can't charge anything via service charge for defective work. And so in the future, you won't have to provide any of the information. You'll still need the landlord certificate, but you will need, not need to provide any information. Or if you don't intend to charge the, the leaseholders for defects. Or well, the other one is that um, if you're exempt from the, you know, the contribution order, uh, registered providers of social housing and local authorities are still subject to the caps on service charges and the likes, but um, they're exempt from the sort of £2 million plus and you know, not being able to charge anything for, for service charges. And so they wouldn't have to provide information. That actually makes life a little bit easier if and when it comes in. Don't know what they were thinking of making it easier, but you will get some new landlord certificates coming in at some stage in the future. And I suspect a new version of the TA7 accordingly, and perhaps even a change the lender's handbook yet again. Wow. Wow, and I thought this was going to be a short podcast today. So briefly, Richard, 
Can you talk a little bit about the new Building Safety Responsible Actors Scheme and Prohibition Regulations 2023? And please tell me it involves Japanese knotweed. It involves responsible actors, actors that uh, are pure heart and mind. And they um, basically, it's about the removal of external combustible cladding. And it's only external combustible cladding. That comes outside the leaseholder protections. You can never charge via service charge for on 11 metres or five-storey or more high buildings uh, for the removal and replacement of external combustible cladding. If the building's 18 metres or more in height, the government should pay for it via a remediation scheme, but they seem to be very, very slow sort of getting their act together in this. If the building's 11 metres or more in height, but less than 18 metres, the developers have been basically badgered into being re- responsible for paying for the removal of the cladding. And the government approached 50 of the big to medium-sized builders. And last I heard, although it might have changed recently, 46 have agreed to sign something called a developer's remediation contract. And based on that, on July the 4th, three days ago from when we were recording this, the Responsible Actors Scheme regulations came into force Basically, the builders are told that unless you sign up to replace the remo- and remove the combustible cladding, external cladding, we'll take away your planning permission and make sure you don't get planning permission in the future. So the large majority have now signed up, but the government say that they are expecting it to start coming into effect in the summer. It's this well into the summer already. It only applies to England. So nothing to do with Japanese knotweed gin then? It's nothing to do with Japanese knotweed gin. You can actually get Japanese knotweed vodka as well nowadays, which I'll try and let you know. Perfect. Okay. So you mentioned there, Richard, that both of these refer to England. What's the latest position in Wales? Yeah, I was doing a course in Swansea, best part three weeks, two and a half weeks ago, and I've talked about this in Cardiff recently as well. And the truth of the matter is uh, no one has a clue. The legislation all applies to England and Wales, the Building Safety Act, but the Welsh government were given the power to delegate the height of a relevant building, both in terms of the leaseholder protections and also in terms of higher risk buildings, which need to be registered with a regulator. They had consultation and the consultation ended on May the 12th. The soundings from the Welsh government is that if it's a higher risk building where the, the height of the building is 18 metres or more, or if less than 18 metres, seven storeys or more in England. Well, in terms of the design of the property and uh, the building, the construction of the property, they're going to go down the same route, but they haven't said anything about what's necessary for conveyances, and that's the occupation of the premises, how high it's going to be. They are suggesting that in England, you have to have at least two dwellings in the building to be a high-risk building. In Wales, it might be one. And they, Mark Drakeford, earlier in the year, the Welsh the First Minister, announced that they were not going to bring in the leaseholder protections in Wales. They don't seem to realise that they're already in. There's one section which deals with the height of the building, I think section 118, that uh, the Welsh government were given powers, you know, delegated powers to decide upon, but the rest is in force in Wales and has been since June the 28th last year. And I'm not sure they're able constitutionally to actually go down that route. So we're in complete impasse. And I really don't know what to tell people in Wales who are doing conveyancing in Wales. The First Minister said that they wouldn't need to bring them into force in, in Wales because the Welsh government would pay for all these remediation orders and remediation contribution orders. 
I don't believe that for one minute. They've got close to the resources. They also said that uh, it's not the same problem in Wales as, as in England because they don't have all these blocks of flats. He's obviously never walked out the Welsh Assembly building and seen the developments around Cardiff Bay. But there you are. That's uh, we don't know is the answer. And no doubt we'll be revisiting again. <laughs> no doubt. It's the uh, the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it, this one? Well, I'm not sure about that. I'd like to see the Building Safety Act's least sort of protections, repeal legislation, regulations. I'll talk about that one day. Amazing. Well, again, thank you very much for your time, Richard. And until next time. Oh, my pleasure. You have been listening to another episode of Convincing Coffee Break, the only podcast for busy convincing professionals, brought to you by Lawshore Insurance Brokers, an award-winning UK provider of title insurance. For more information on our free conferences, go to www.lawshoreinsurance.co.uk, where you can download recent conference recordings.